The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the In Defense of Ska podcast. There's a lot of like, okay, well, you like Ska name three bands that aren't the Boss Tones. I'm your host, Aaron Carnes, music journalist and author of the book In Defense of Ska. And I'm your co-host, Adam Davis, veteran Ska musician from the bands Omnigon and Link 8. On our show, we aim to push back on the mainstream's negative perception of Ska music. There are so many great untold stories throughout the history of Ska. The show features interviews with everyone from the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones to Fishbone, Fall Out Boy singer Patrick Stump, and the police drummer Stuart Copeland. Join us on In Defense of Ska from the Consequence Podcast Network. Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year, that matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corner. Of all of the moments that you had for Bonnaroo 2018, you got to think that the uh, the one at the top of the list and the one that probably carried from show to show to show is the the Tom Petty Super Jam and the the memory of Tom Petty was covering the entire festival of 2018. Yeah, it was a nice lick. Uh, good good idea on their part to come up with it. And to, you know what I thought about is uh, maybe they don't book Cheryl Crow for anything other than the Super Jam. <laughs> because her coming out to American, that was it. Yeah. I mean, that was the highlight of the entire Super Jam. Um, and, sure. and, and maybe the Cheryl Crow show is not something that you wanted, but they probably don't get Cheryl Crow at the Super Jam if they don't book her at the what? I would say that's a fact. Yeah, American Girl. Yeah, she was uh, definitely the highlight of that. It was that was then, it was fun. And then Bon Iver and Sylvanesso come out to the Super, super Jam. One of the great Super Jams in Bonnaroo history. Welcome to our 2018 re- Recap, it's the What Podcast. That's Barry Corder from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. I'm Brad Steiner. Hits 96 WDOD in Chattanooga. Um, so <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we were just before we went on, we were trying to figure out what song to start with and talking about what was the highlight. And uh, to me, there wasn't one like skyrocketing to the moon. Mm-hmm. There was just a lot of really good moments. Uh, how, was the, uh, how was the re-entry for you? Tough. Yo, man. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> Never I, have I ever felt 36 before in my life until Monday morning. You know, I, I looking back, I'm really kind of proud, I guess, if that's the right word. Of I mean, I stayed on Monday. We were there, you and I, from Wednesday at right. 2 o'clock until Monday morning, 10 or right. 11. Man, I drove home, came in hot, started unpacking, and sat down and uh, wasn't quite right until about Friday morning. It was rough. This yeah. is this is the roughest uh, re-entry into real life that I've ever had. I'm only 36. Uh, I got out of the car when I got back to Chattanooga, and my back felt like it was breaking in half. I didn't have any of that. I just didn't know where I was most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had that same feeling from Wednesday to Monday. Honestly, uh, it wasn't that. No, I was. We worked. Um, it was. It was one of the best Bonnaroo's I've ever attended personally. Really? Um, I, yeah. I t- I've told people I can't think of a time when I wished I was somewhere else. Like I wished I was at home in my own bed or my own bathroom. Oh man, I've had those. I had those moments in years past. But you're exactly Exactly no, right. I never had one. This this year was so comfortable, and even in the in the heat of Friday, where yeah, I thought it felt like hot. Friday was much hotter than Saturday. I don't know if it was just me, but Friday was was difficult. But at no point did I say to myself, "This is this is 
not no, working for me. No, no, and and went. Uh, you know, the Super Jam started at what one thirty or one fifteen in the morning. You know, just we went round and round, and it, it just felt like every time I turned a corner or came to a stage or right. did whatever, you were having a moment, having a moment. That's somebody great. to meet, somebody to see. I, uh, amazing. Friday to me was by far the best day, and we can get into that a little bit more when we start talking about music, but that one started at, what, 1230 or with uh, Davey and ended with uh, Sheik for me, Nile Rodgers, and it just was a perfect afternoon. So we don't have really a format for this. Um, I I literally walked in this morning and I said, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't even know how to start, but where to where do start? Let's. How about this? Let's go. Your top three shows that you saw the entire weekend. We started Saturday with Davey and just seeing how happy they were and and watching them smile and mm-hmm. and watch the crowd get bigger and their at it their smiles get bigger and went right from there to the Warren Treaty right which was completely unexpected completely emotional one of my favorite Bonnaroo moments I've ever had in my life was at that war and treaty show Brad I never thought I would cry and it was just the first of three shows (laughs) where actual tears came you lapped me this year I'm usually the crier oh I mean and I you know it's almost tears of joy watching Davey and then we go and watch war and treaty with uh, Michael and Tanya Trotter and watching Michael talk about his PTSD and his Iraqi war experience and his friend committed suicide after being raped and then just watching those two hugging each other, man, loving on all each they other. do is emit love. It's a, and a crowd yelling back and forth, "We love you!" And then them crying. Yeah, and that was a pretty doggone special show. And then you and I got to talk to them. Uh, we'll have that as a a, a next podcast, just because they were so great. Mm-hmm. And then to see the legend uh, Mavis Staples. And to watch her lip quiver singing about, you know, Freedom Highway, which is a song she's been doing since it's, it's her pops wrote it in 1962. Wow. Yeah, it was just like feeling the history and yeah. thinking about, you know, where we've come and where we still need to go mm-hmm. and, and all of that. That was powerful. And then we, we went right over to see Sheik mm-hmm. uh, with Nile Rodgers <laughs> And he said, I'd like to do some of the number one hit songs that I've written, you know, for people or produced for people. And then and it was that just, started at 645 and ended at 745. It was hit after hit after hit, huh? Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Madonna, Bowie, <laughs> Duran, was it Duran Duran? Oh, Daft Punk. Oh, okay. And then he, then he started talking about eight years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer, aggressive cancer, and was told basically get your affairs in order. And uh, then he, he had everybody hold up their cell phones so- with their but their camera, their flashlights. So you know, instead of lighters. So your top shows all happened in a in yes. order, almost on Saturday. It was one cry after another. <laughs> it was amazing, and just smiling ear to ear. And while we were sitting watching, uh, Niall, uh, the the uh, backup singer for Mavis, came around the corner, and we all stood up and high fived and no handshaked. That, that's what I mean. It was that kind of weekend. Mm-hmm. It was just totally unexpected, and she was cool and great and. It just it just amazing. So that that's my top memory. Yeah. Uh, my top show, Ron Gallo, was every bit as good. Sturgill Simpson just yeah. Cried, and I didn't even see all of it. Right. But man, that guy came with something to prove. Mm-hmm. That's a great way of putting it. That's exactly yeah. what he did, <laughs> and he did it. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna rank it three to one. If if I find my top three shows, uh, number three, uh, Saint Paul and the Broken Bones. What uh, Paul did, I. And I wasn't going to say this before, but I've seen that show so many times 
that I almost decided not to see it. Right. I almost went to see Dua Lipa instead because I've seen St. Paul so many times. But after the podcast, after everything that he gave us, I said, I, I have to do it for Paul. I am so glad that I went to see this show because what he did was, it was such a Paul thing to do, but such an un-Paul thing to do, yeah, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. They took a giant carpet, put it on top of the crowd, and he rode the carpet <laughs> all the way on his back doing one of the hardest songs that he has to sing in his set all the way to the soundboard, walked to the soundboard, stood on top of the soundboard, sung Broken Bones and Pocket Change, and then got on the carpet and rode it all the way back. And at some point during that show, he started to freak out. Like yeah, during yeah. that ride, he's like, give me down, yeah. give me down now, give me down now. <laughs> it was fantastic. And luckily after the show, I ran backstage just to say thank you and hello. He was on cloud nine. Yeah. I mean, he was bouncing all over the place. He was he was hugging babies. It's like a politician at work back there. <laughs> it was not somebody who had just sweated the way that he did on a carpet. That was phenomenal. And the only reason I say that's one of my favorite shows is because of that moment. I will say the rest of the set I struggled with because Mm -hmm. the sound, for some reason, the sound this year in a lot of places was very spotty. I thought there were some sound issues from tent to tent. I even had some sound issues on The Witch, which I thought that they had fixed that a few years ago. There were some spotty sound problems, and I've never had a sound problem in a tent. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah, we actually, for that one, were right up front to the left when it started and because we couldn't hear at all couldn't hear vocals they right. didn't have the not that they have to do the vip but they didn't so we went around to the back and then actually uh because i guess we'd seen the show before watched half hour of it yeah. and then left so we missed you missed the big moment missed the carpet ride yep. and went over to the edm tent and or area and saw a little bit uh 20 minutes it was interesting and yep. then kind of moved around so I didn't do a lot of that. Normally, I, you know, we've talked about in all these podcasts, the, the walk-bys. Mm-hmm. Didn't do a lot of walk-bys. Saw more full shows this year than ever before. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's my number three. Number two is War and Treaty. I don't like to do this FOMO thing, but if you missed this War and Treaty show, I swear to you, you missed one of the great moments in Bonnaroo history. I love when, when people, and we've talked about it before, stand on a stage at Bonnaroo and just let it take them over and feel the weight of what they are doing. I, I keep going back into my mind in that moment of of when they just stopped and when they just let the crowd go crazy yeah. and loved them as much as they were loving the crowd and just stood there and stared out amongst it. It felt like it lasted an eternity. Yeah. And I couldn't have loved that more. And the Absolutely. way that he can control telling his story about being in a rock war veteran, like you said, and talking about the PTSD issue that he has, and then uh, the the story about his, the way that he controlled that crowd in total silence, boy, yeah. that's when you know you got somebody on the hook. And that story is so powerful. That show is so powerful. And I'm telling you right now, you'll hear this in the interview that we put on later on with the Warren Treaty. Every single damn bit of it is real. Yeah. None of it's fake. They're not, they're not faking it up there. They absolutely put all their love and effort and energy into loving you and changing your life. They want to change your life. That's, that's a great way to, I, I didn't think about it till just now, but it almost felt like it quit being a show. It quit being a musical performance during some of that when he just, you're right. He just absolutely stopped talking. We've heard so much before about the audience giving and the 
the act giving back and forth, but man, you could see it and you could feel it. I've never it was seen this pulse like that it. just took over that tent. And we talk about it in the in the interview, the podcast. I've never seen a husband and wife stand at a piano like they did together. Right. Well, honestly, when you first walk up to it, it's a little Saturday Night Live. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like that skit of Saturday Night Live where like yeah, yeah, the husband's yeah. playing Hot the Mike. piano. Hot and- Mike. <laughs> Hot Mike. <laughs> It's a little like that. It is, and but then the, they can't stop hugging on each other and touching each other and just looking into each other's eyes, and it was just unbelievably powerful. And it is not something I expected at three o'clock on a Saturday no, afternoon. No, nor nor in the best part of it is none of it is fake. No, none of it is a is is just put on for you as as a as a show. It's not a show. It is so real. Well, let's put it this way: when we I had to chase them down, we had set up an interview for what i don't know five o'clock say whatever and i saw him walk out of a tent and so i had to kind of chase him down so it's me and you and what four of our campmates mm-hmm. were with us mm-hmm. turned around immediate hugs oh my god for you and me and then they hugged the other four people as well it's like the, it's like they had just invited us over to their house exactly. and like everybody was family everybody's family thanksgiving dinner that's at amazing their house. and so then uh, my number one show it's the one that I keep coming back to. It's the one that has cut through all the noise of the weekend that I keep thinking about that I knew was going to be good. I did not expect it to be as good as it was. Sturgill Simpson is everything that I thought it would be times a million. I forgot how good of a guitar player he yeah. is. The the attitude that he plays with. Dude, that band is unbelievably tight. Yeah. Let's contrast it a little bit because I sat through the entire Muse set, don't know anything about Muse, didn't mm-hmm. know anything about them, uh, was with uh, three, I think, of our campmates, and we all sat there, have been dissecting it ever since. Hmm. It was electronically, orally, mm-hmm. visually amazing. I mean, the light show, the sound was, it's the best, it's the second best sound I've ever heard in a concert. Mm. Brian uh, Wilson at the Tivoli here was the first. I mean, you could hear everything, but the best we can think of was that was the show, mm-hmm. the technology. I couldn't hum you a song still. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what it was about other than stand up and fight. I think mm. every song was an anthem. About oh, everything's an anthem. With standing yeah, up sure. and fighting. So We will you, not be defeated. We will not be it. defeated. So, 12 and, songs and I later. say that only, it was really well done. But then you contrast that, and I'll let you describe it more because you saw the all of it, but the Sturgill Simpson was the complete opposite, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, three guys... Right. Here's what I loved about the Sturgill Simpson show. And and Muse is a great way of putting it. You can have all the lights you want. You can have all of the pyrotechnics you want. What Sturgill Simpson did is he had four guys on stage, including himself. The lights were white. They were pointed in one direction. There was no there was no pretentiousness about it. It was a dude and a guitar and the best damn band I have ever heard at Bonnaroo. Yeah. He just said, screw you, watch this. I honestly, I know this might uh, irk some people, uh, but it's everything Jack White wants to be. Everything that Jack White really, really wants to be. Sturgill's already there. Sturgill is, he can't miss a note. He cannot screw up a note. That's how good of a guitar player yeah. he is. And he just pulverized you with insane guitar solo after insane guitar solo. And when we talked originally in the, very, in the second episode of this podcast about Sturgill Simpson, I was really wary that you know, without the horns, it wasn't going to be the show that I wanted because I love those horns. I love when he starts doing those big brass songs. Screw it. I yeah. don't need it anymore. I don't ever want it again. I want yeah. that four guy, those four guys, and that's all I ever want. I just, I couldn't believe how much I loved that show. Yeah. 
It was great, and I I know you didn't see it. The uh, the the chic was similar in that it sounds like because it was a he turned that whole what stage crowd into a disco party. Yeah, I mean, and it was not because of lights and all that. It yeah. was the band. There was the the stage setting was very simple. Uh, he had the female the singers that he had with him. Oh man, he yeah. at one point I he said he introduced her and I wish I could remember her name, but he said show them what you can do <laughs> and, and she did i didn't know that oh my goodness All right, let's, the uh, the other things that like, like some of the the highlights for us some of our picks let's go through some of our picks and 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 if they uh delivered and gave you what you wanted um anderson pock show uh, me and uh, one of our new camp mates uh, our newly minted campmate brad girl uh, she had seen the show too before and the anderson pock show was was always good i always liked it it wasn't that that new show that he has is monster yeah it's so big it it's gotten so large it's gotten so the crowd was enormous i couldn't believe how many people actually knew and loved anderson pocket I, I thought i was still in the minority i said i thought i had a little crowd no 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 no. that yeah. show was massive see that's one of those i missed that was saturday right right that was saturday it was, I, I, you you'd already me had and two of the other guys who had seen all four we saw them all together it's like i it Nothing against Anderson Pack, mm-hmm. nothing against anything that was coming, but after the chic, we were like, it can't get any better. Really? We're done. We need to go decompress. I, 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 honestly, I'm not sure I could have cried anymore. Really? Maybe that's what it was. I guess, I guess what I saw when I watched Anderson Pack is that I'm eventually watching a Saturday night headliner. Yeah. I think that's where his show is going. If, he, if this new album of his is as big as, as what the industry thinks it's going to be, he's going to be one of your Saturday headliners in a year or two. Well, that was the other thing. You, you, we all know everyone who's listening. I assume is a Bonnaroo veteran, so you guys know about the crowd. You know about the day and the ebb and flow of the day. So I did the same thing with the Killers on Sunday. Uh, ended up back behind the stage listening to it, so I mm-hmm. didn't see it, and it was okay. I just didn't feel like fighting. Right, fighting. That and you crowd. didn't want to do that with Anderson Pac either, huh? No, yeah, not, and especially at having already had such a great day. Yeah, um, nothing against them him so yeah going through i can't i was not impressed with the japanese breakfast show I know well let's i want to get picks. to disappointments here in a second okay oh yeah because right. i have a i have a long list okay, okay. <laughs> so um uh, then then boney Vare. did you spend any time in boney Vare? No. okay so the first set was everything i ever wanted it's exactly what i wanted i love 22 a million i've said it over and over and over that set had me slam dancing and that ain't the set to be slam wow. dancing i was i was so I was a giddy child at that first set. Then, you know, we took we took a break and me and and the pals, I something must have happened in that hour and a half or two hours. We took Eminem. We went to Eminem for a little bit. I did not go back into the second Bon Iver set with the right mindset. And I missed so much of what the moments were. So many of the yeah. moments that happened and I listened to it on thank goodness for Sirius XM. They played the Bon Iver second set on my way back to Chattanooga, so I got to relive it, uh, but every, I'm just going to say, look, it, I wasn't s- sleepy, and I didn't find it to be boring, but I just wasn't in the right mindset, and I will admit, I fell asleep standing up three times, <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I, my buddy Nick kept looking over at me, and, and you're not going to be able to see this, but Barry, this is how I was standing. Yeah. <laughs> It was ridiculous. Trying to catch rain type of... Yeah, like I was thirsty, right. And so, uh, but what I saw and what I remember of it, and what I'm being told is that it was a very, very powerful 
yeah. hour, and it was almost like a, a second Super Jam. Just friend after friend after friend kept coming out. And the Moses Sumney thing, I will say, I, the Moses Sumney doing Sade was phenomenal. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Thank God for Moses Sumney. We're both kind of saying the same thing. Is That's sort of where I felt like I was going to be had I gone to Anderson Pack or Boney Bear. I was so, uh, so just not there gotcha. you know, mentally, and I didn't want to stand in a crowd and yep. with my mouth open I got and you. sleep staring at the sky. So Another big highlight for me, I thought uh, maybe one of my favorite shows of the weekend. I, it's hard to get my top three. I chose my top three because of th- the moments. I thought those three moments are my favorite. But boy, that jungle show yeah. was so damn good. Yeah. They just are they just get better and better and better. That new set is as tight as it was that I ever remember it. It was good. I, God, I loved it. Well, talk about a dance party. It was good. Dua Lipa was a superstar. Uh, I thought she, uh, from last year, where I thought that she struggled to figure out what she was doing on stage and she was almost uh, acting like a star on stage and acting like what she should be doing. This year, she is. Yeah. She is a superstar. And um, that new stage show is. As big as it can be. I mean, she is going to be a monster. She's going to be a Lady Gaga level star one day, if she's not already. Favorite moments we didn't, having Repeat Repeat come to our camp doing the podcast, it was a lot of fun. Those guys are amazing. They are amazing. We've been talking ever since. I just want to be pals. I just want to hang out with them. We exchanged phone numbers. (laughs) I kept running into them, uh, Kristen and Jared. What What a great, happy, normal couple. Uh, I so don't think nice. that they would use the word normal. I don't uh, know if it, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I love the repeat, repeat kids. And um, if you want to go, seriously, go back and listen to uh, that uh, episode that we put out while we were on the farm. They came to our camp for crying out loud. These yeah. kids are so dedicated to figuring out this band thing and making this work. They're willing to go to two dopes' camp backstage and talk to them on a podcast they've never heard of. I don't know if you talk to them after, but. Not long after they talked to us, they went and interviewed with Rolling Stone. Oh yeah, we that's had all. first. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, uh, repeat, repeat. Backstage <laughs> at the uh, at the Camp Nut Butter. If you want to listen back at that, it's available at whatpodcast.com. Uh, let me see what else uh, I really, really loved. Yeah, Ron Gallo was exactly what I thought. The ending of that was so terrific. We <laughs> talked about it all weekend. I forgot. My gosh, I forgot all about it till just now. Where he's he's playing his big hit, and then he asks a random girl to come yeah. on stage, hands her a guitar, and she's like, "I don't know how to play guitar." He said. It doesn't matter. Play yeah. whatever. It all works. It all works. It all works. And it did because she killed. It was hysterical. He apparently, uh, we walked up a little bit late, but you remember uh, our friend Evan was there and, and said he started the show by messing up. Yeah, sure. On purpose. They kept messing up. And he was like, ah, I'm sorry. And then starting over. And it was just one of those. Talk about confidence, man. Yeah, exactly. That kid's got Messing it. up because I can. That was a great show. Yep. Um, let me see. What else did I love? We got to see three songs from Lissy in the Hay Bell. Oh yeah, went to the Hay Bell session with Lissy. She is adorable. Yeah. Boy, that, that was, voice is fantastic. That was pretty doggone cool. And she has got this really great tone. Uh I I hate that I missed that show, but I she's definitely somebody I want to come back to. Yeah, she sound what, uh little Marianne Faithful, Stevie Nicks combination kinda. As that raw, scratchy, yeah, beautiful, sure. it was yeah. great. And then uh, I had a moment that will go down as one of uh, the most interesting moments of my Bonnaroo career. Uh, for the first time in 13 years, Brad Steiner. into the tent with me? That was, right. uh, Brad <laughs> that Steiner. was awkward. No. <laughs> went to GA. 
Oh, yes. I <laughs> we haven't even talked about all a that stuff. Blast. So, uh, me and uh, the friend of ours, uh, sh- she went. We went to GA on Thursday night because we got word that there was going to be a secret Cage the Elephant show, and uh, but unfortunately, the people that told us about the secret Cage the Elephant show told us the wrong time. Yeah. So we show up an hour and a half late. It was supposed to be at twelve thirty. We were told two. So at two o'clock, this idiot. We just we walk all the way out to GA. I got three percent left on my phone. I'm like, oh, screw it. I don't need it. Who needs it? And it's Thursday night. It's Bonnaroo. What do I need my phone for? So we get out there and uh, we're waiting. We're waiting. And there's a karaoke set or something at the the yes at the the one that Matt Schultz put together. So it was Pod Seven Plaza Seven. Right. Uh, I I'm blown away by the way with how much G has changed. GA has changed since I have been there. I keep saying it, but I never actually saw it. It's really not that far of a walk. I have always, in my mind, gone back to the very first year that I went to Bonnaroo and thought that that GA walk was just miles and miles and miles. No, to, to Plaza 7 from Cineroo was really only 15 minutes. I think it's about attitude and time of day. It probably It's more is. than 15 minutes. <laughs> At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it's a little different than 2 o'clock exactly. in the morning, probably. Exactly. So we get out to, to Plaza 7, and they're doing this karaoke thing. We think we're watching Cage the Elephant. Never actually happens, but turns out... There's a pop-up Cherub DJ set, right? And turns out she knows Cherub and has known them forever. So this became an absolute blast. I mean, it was a dance party for hours. I did not get back to camp until 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, about the time I was getting up. It was great. Yeah. It was great. And and I was upset that I actually didn't get out to GA more because, I mean, every single time you turned around, there was somebody texting us from GA saying, you got to be here. You got to see what's happening right now. It was moment after moment out there. And it, look, they have nailed, nailed those Plaza experiences. And for being of the first year that they've done it, next yeah. year, wow. Well, I, I mean, went it's going to be worth every penny. Uh, I went out there for work to do more work for the paper Friday morning-ish, yeah. around noontime. Walked up on a couple that had just gotten married. They were having no their wedding photos taken. Yep. Uh, hung out in the grove a little bit, all the people in the trees. And then we wandered over to the Tim Love Love Shack. He yeah. was doing a cooking demonstration. Talked to him for a few minutes. And then a couple of uh, a husband and wife and their friend who had done the cooking demonstration decided they were full and shared their steak and shrimp and wow. grilled carrots with us. So, so, so you met it was a- that kind of weekend. All weekend, just a random... So you saw somebody who got married at yep. Bonnaroo. I personally know somebody who got engaged on the Ferris wheel on, on Thursday night. Wow. Or Friday night, rather. I mean, I, I, th- those are two. Yeah. How many others do you think there were? I don't know. I don't know. I, I really can't think of... I told you, and it sounds crazy, but I can't think of a, a bad... You know, well, I didn't care for the. Well, let's find. Uh, let's I didn't find care the for the EDM playing okay, until let's, seven let's in the through, morning. But let's go through some of the disappointments. Disappointments. Well, the none places, of them were bad, bad, but disappointments. Some of the places and times and experiences where you were like, "This is just not doing it for me." Um, watching Japanese breakfast do a sound check for a half hour and then just play for a half hour was disappointing. Okay, so I, you know how much I love her. Yeah, I yeah, love Michelle. She's, she's great. I got to be in the hay bale Friday morning. Uh, to watch them do their hay bale session. And um, look, it was great. It was so good. I think they sound so good when they're playing. But for half an hour, they tinkered and tinkered and sound checked. Look, 
You don't get a sound check at a festival. Nobody does. I'm and if you need to sound check for half an hour when you get on stage, it's on you, man. It's on yeah. you. I got the feeling watching some of the stage crew and all that the the act before them, which was a, a um, rap, a hip hop act, might have gone a little long, but that should not have impacted because you don't get to do sound check. No, let me let me tell you what I, what you saw on the Japanese breakfast for half an hour was exactly exactly almost almost carbon copy of what I saw in the hay bale session. Oh. They did the exact same tinkering almost to the almost to the T. Wow. And look, if you have an hour set, yeah. y- you wasted half of it by by sound checking. Right. I was really disappointed with that, but once they started going, they sounded great. Sounded great, a little sleepy for me. Um I, I I'll learn I'll learn more cuz I liked it. It was just yeah. a little sleepy and maybe that's because we <laughs> watched the drummer Doom, 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 doom. Yep. Yeah, over and over and over. Yeah, that was, that was a bit disappointing. That was disappointing. Um, the, uh, I thought it was a little weird that they dedicated the entire The Other stage to EDM and then ended, was it Muse that ended or was it Chic? It was, I think it was, I can't, which night was Bass Nectar? It was a little strange. Whatever day it was, they, you know, because they have the EDM. Ba- Bass Nectar was Friday. Okay, so after Muse... You have dedicated EDM over on the other stage, and then Bass Nectar was on the Witch stage, which, by the way, was pretty doggone amazing. Did you like that? I loved it. Yeah, the light of course, show. You love them. Well, I knew I was going to be able to hear it, but it literally after Muse, we wanted to go get refreshed, whatever, get another beer, and the light show just drew us like literally a moth to a flame. All of us together went. You did a little zip beeline just because. Mm-hmm. He had lasers going in the trees, which we need to mention those to the lighting in the trees. trees are fantastic. But, they made a lot of great additions this year. Yeah. The the lasers in the trees and the sky were amazing. And then yeah, it was a half hour. Like I told you, you can't do much more than, uh, <laughs> um, but then the, and we never did figure out, do we call it Calliope or Calliope stage? Okay. This is a big argument. I don't know. It's, it's the argument about the hill being moved. It's the same <laughs> argument. Yeah. I don't know. So the Calliope stage went till seven o'clock every morning. And we, because of where they moved it, basically everyone in camp could hear it. So you had EDM on the other and then EDM at midnight with bass nectar. And then that Calliope stage kicked in. I like EDM more than you do, but I don't need 24 hours of yeah. it. And I thought it was strange that it took over the whole space, basically. All right, let me ask you this. About the, the Calliope, Calliope, you know, <laughs> Khalid stage. All right, it, of all of the things that you saw or that were scheduled on that stage or on that whatever that thing is, over those courses of four hours a night from three to seven in the morning or whenever they, they schedule it, for, how many were actually worth a damn? Why can't you take those and just put them on the other in the spaces that you already have available? The That stage seems so redundant, and frankly, I don't like removing the comedy tent yeah. and the movie tent and the cinema tent for that. I don't yeah. I don't know what it was. So Friday night, so Thursday night I do the GA thing, and then Friday at 2.30 in the morning, we all decide to go and, and experience that and give that a try. Barry, I don't get it. Yeah. And, and even, even if I can get myself into a dance party and it's the same loop yeah. over and over and Absolutely. over. It's three, two, one. And over and over yeah. and over. And they do the same thing. 
I, I mean, it's a lot of fun if I can get myself into the right mindset, but I don't know why I need four nights of that, three night, three yeah, and a half nights. Of I know, that. and and I know we sound, you know, you kids get off my lawn a little bit, but I, I I'm with you. I don't get the, I, I couldn't do it for hours. You have the other stage. Right. I don't know why you need the Calliope. I don't. It's just bigger. I, I don't know. I don't know. We don't. If they maybe wanted to just create a space for those people that don't want to go to bed at four in the morning. Um, and that'd be then why can't you do that at the other? I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I didn't hear anybody really say they were happy with the comedy tent changes. Well, again, I didn't experience any of the comedy because I just uh, I'm not going to experience stand up comedy while I'm standing up. Yeah. I mean, that's not the way that it's supposed to be done. And I don't know if Reggie. Wa- I, I heard the Reggie Watt show was great. I don't know how Adam Devine is going to do, or Devine, however you say his name, from Workaholics. I didn't know how anybody d- went. I don't know. Somebody's yeah. going to have to show me and tell me because I, I can't I imagine that do- doing well. Social media people, and some of the comedians saying, I hope they, they bring it back. I hope so, show. too, because it's a nice it's a nice addition. It's very different, and it's something that, that not anybody problem else has. I never could get in. It's always so crowded. And remember, those lines would line up from the door all the way to the center road, the middle right. road. So. Maybe that was why. Maybe it was an op- opportunity to get more people a chance to actually see some of the comedians. That's true. I got that. Uh, All right. Uh, the the show that I'm most disappointed with, and um, oh, man, I don't like saying this because I love him. I didn't get Khalid. I didn't get it. And I, I'm telling you, I love this kid. I think he's an amazing songwriter. He is, uh, that album I really think is one of the best breakup albums I've heard in decades. But man, that show was just too cartoony. Yeah. The backup dancers were were dressed like, you know, in weird neon colors. It just felt like a like some sort of puppet show. Uh in I didn't think his vocal level again, The Witch gets very weird with sound and I thought that they had gotten that pretty much figured out, but the sound wasn't there and part of it is sort of on him because he's a down tempo singer already. It just didn't work for me. It just never connected the way that I wanted it to connect. It's interesting to hear when, as I'm listening to you talk. I mean, you were so hyped for Bonnie Vare and Anderson back, and a lot of times, you know, our expectations can be so high that there's no way it was ever going to be met. Right. But that's not what you're talking about with Khalid, right? It just wasn't. You just didn't like the show. I didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. And and my expectations were. Um, were high because I like him, but I wasn't expecting much, if that makes sense. Yeah. My expectations were high because I was just excited to finally see him right. uh, because I've missed my opportunity so often in the past. And I was like, oh, now it is. Now I finally get it. And then once I was there, I was like, oh, this just doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work as well. He's trying to do it. He's trying to do a big stage presence, a big stage show. And I just don't think that's who he is. Yeah. And, and maybe well, me being a Monday morning quarterback, but and maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but it just didn't work at all. For no, me. I, I, you know, we talked about it. Earth, Wind, and Fire a couple of years ago on the Witch stage didn't work. It just got lost. Somehow. Right. And they're right. great. I mean, there's guys, my gosh, they're amazing. But That's exactly it just what got happened. Lost. Khalid got lost, and they tried to make it work with a whole bunch of stagecraft. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time you see right through that kind of that, stuff. To me, if there was a theme running through what I liked about all the shows I saw this year was that that honesty. It was right. about the song. It didn't need a lot passion. of passion. It was not about lights and everything. Sturgill and, versus Muse. Which is why you didn't. Okay, so this Muse conversation is very interesting to me because externally, external from the people that I know, the Muse show was talked about maybe more than any other show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Eminem was talked about for the wrong reasons. Right. But this Muse show was just, I can't stop hearing people talk about the Muse show. Everyone that I know that is a fan says it was a great Muse show, but it's the same Muse show you will see in London or Paris or Bonnaroo or wherever. It's just what they do. And and like I said, technically it was perfect. It was the, it, you're right. You said it earlier. It's the best sounding show I've ever heard on that stage. Somebody described it as cotton candy. As I did. You did. Yeah. Okay. That's what, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was good. That's what it was. Yeah, I don't need a lot of this. Don't need a lot. Yeah, the reason why it sounds like I his vocal processing yeah. is like butter. Incredible. How does he like it didn't even seem as though he was singing actually. It seemed like he was tracked because yeah. it didn't matter where he was it didn't matter where he was on the mic. You got the exact same amount of volume out of him. It was incredible. No matter where, it was nuts. It was nuts how good that was. But when it was over, we just looked at each other and said, "What did we just see? What am I supposed to <laughs> right. take away from this?" So but the other ones, uh, every every other one that I saw was just all right. I have another one that I that I need somebody to help me with, and you can comment at the what underscore podcast on Twitter or the what podcast dot com. What in the hell happened at T Pain? Uh, so first off, the the crowd was just as massive as I thought it would be. Um, it probably should have been on a stage, but at some point he got four songs in after "Buy Me a Drink," "Buy You a Drink," whatever the hell the song is. He just stopped and he was gone from the stage for five minutes. Mm. And then out of nowhere, some guy gets on stage and, and we're all leaving. And he goes, where are you assholes going? Where are you assholes going? Give it up on my boy T-Pet. What in the hell happened? Now, by the by I then, know. I was gone and I had no, know. but somebody tell me what happened. Maybe he, gets, maybe he got sick. Huh? Maybe. Did he make it to the, the karaoke? I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Forgot about the whole karaoke. I never heard anything. I need somebody to tell me what in hell a happened at the, the T Pain show and what that was. Is that was just a bit? Was he just <laughs> trying to fire up the crowd? Did he come back out? Yeah, maybe you're supposed to beg him back on. And then I mean, it was four songs in. And then secondly, did the karaoke thing actually happen? I don't know the answer to any of these questions. Maybe you can. The what podcast dot com. Um, all right, so uh, let's see. Is there anything else that that I? I Sticks out of my mind as something that was a little strange. Oh, I want to go back to this argument about the hill. Now, if you missed our episode that we uh, did at backstage at Camp Nut Butter, and it's not about them moving the VIP hill, whether they did or whether they didn't, but you can tell that every single thing in the festival has been has oh. been reduced. Yes. Now, we- no matter what they say, now we talked to to Ashley about this on the Wednesday press conference thing when they took us around the 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 site. It just feels different, and you can't convince me otherwise. You can't no, convince no. me otherwise that they have not either moved the what stage in, moved the walls in, and added so much stuff in the middle of the festival grounds to make it feel so much tighter. When we walked out Wednesday night. You could not turn around without hitting some sort of like tent experience thing, shining lights into your face. You couldn't move. Um, let's say this. Bef- what? Two weeks ago, we were hearing this, the crowd estimates in the mid 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was told by a couple of officials, not with AC, but otherwise, that the actual count was around low to mid 50s. Mm. It felt pretty crowded it felt packed it felt packed i think and we saw this last year 
they do as good a job as any big event like that that I've ever been a part of of adjusting. Mm-hmm. So to your point, I don't disagree. Uh, I think they've brought fences in. I know they did last year. I know they did three years ago when the numbers were way low. Um, they put more tents in. They move things around to make it feel like, and that's not a, that sounds like a deceptive thing. No, I actually like it. It's genius yeah. because there's nothing worse than being in a small crowd in a huge venue. I'm, Even if it's a good sized crowd, right. it just feels bad. It's no longer a wide open field festival. Right. And if you have 52,000 people in a wide open field festival, it feels empty. It feels empty. You don't you need think, that. Why am I here? Right. So to that, I give them all credit for that because it didn't, it ever did, it never felt uncomfortable. You know, like McCartney year or mm-hmm. whatever, when it was so many people you couldn't move, but it also never felt empty. It never felt um, like something was missing. By the way, and and to to show you that this is not a, a negative, uh, you know me, and as far as my professional career, I care a lot about the little tiny touches of brands, right? Mm-hmm. I love brand touches that that make the user experience better. I don't know who is their person that obsesses over teeny tiny little details, but they get every single one of them right. Yeah. It is nuts to me. Like every time you turn around, like when we said, when they took the giant heads out of, out of the witch stage field, we were all like, why did you do this? How dare you? But no, instead of the heads, they planted new trees. Yep. Right. The way that they strategically place certain tents, not the, the, this or the, that tent, but just experienced tents and where they put the silent disco the, the tiny details that they they have to obsess over, the way that the, the roads work inside GA, where they put signage inside GA, man, it is baffling how good it is. Go to, in, go to some other festivals, and I don't mean to be a, a dick about this, but go to Sloss Fest and compare how the user experience is there versus what Bonnaroo does. Yeah. Somebody has got it nailed at Bonnaroo. I don't I'll know be who it is, but they're you, genius. That early on when I started going, that's what fascinated me was the logistics of it. And I, we talked to Ashley Caps about it, and I asked him that first year. To me, nobody does that kind of thing better than Disney. Right. And so I thought, I said to him, you know, was Disney your model? And he actually said, no, it was the European festivals. But- Disney, you know, the masters with painting the cups green. And if Mm -hmm. you drop your, you know, your sandwich wrapper, it's green. So it doesn't show up on television. Yeah, It's that level of detail that they get. I love that. Yes. That, that is what, that was what makes my heart flutter. I love stuff like that. Yeah, me too. And that honestly, that my, my daughter who uh, interned with them, that's what she liked was the logistics of how do you get these many people in and out? It's amazing. How do you get a hundred acts to show up at the right place at the right time and all the people. So that's what they do. And when it, it was interesting when you and I first went in there with Brian Stone, one of our campmates, we walked around on Wednesday. It's not something I noticed right away, but you guys both did. The lighting in the trees mm-hmm. is Phenomenal. one of those. It's just Phenomenal. Little, it, it changes the whole feel yep. of that giant field once it's dark. And we're not talking about one little white spotlight, like, you know, over your back door. It was colored lights. And it was beautiful. There's no telling what they spent. They dug trenches to run new electricity is a big, big deal. But just little things like that mm-hmm. make you feel this is an ongoing thing. These people care. They've thought about it. 
uh, I I always ex- I put it this way. I don't I don't like going places where I feel like they have their hand in my wallet. You know, where it's just a money grab. They get my money. I don't mean to say they don't. I like to feel like they're giving back as much as they're taking. Yeah, and, and you get that when you're there. And as far and as far as like the the thoughtfulness and how things are operated and the user experience, take a tour through the men's bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. That line moves so fast. I was talking to some girls, two friends of ours, who were standing in the females line. And I said, what, you guys don't have two lines like we do? We got the two line and the one line. And the one line flies. Yeah. And I don't know how they figured it out, yeah. but they've they've gotten the math of all of this down to a science. Yep. And uh, it's just the user experience, at least, has gotten so much better and gets better every single year that... At this point, I don't really have any complaints no. anymore. Um, I, I have and that's, observations. That's a big deal because you like to complain. I, love to complain. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I have observations. Like, for instance, they moved the VIP hill. I have observations. I don't have complaints about it. Um, one of the things along those lines, j- just as worth a mention, the uh, metal detectors. That's the next thing I was going to bring up. Yeah. What'd you think about that? Now, granted, we didn't have to deal with what they had to deal with in GA. I'd love for somebody to tell me their metal detector detector experience, because I've heard a couple of things here and there, and most of it has been, didn't really matter. Right. That's what I was going to say. Everything I heard from people was, I'm glad it's there. I get it. I understand. Las Vegas makes it a reality. Florida makes it a reality. All these types of things. But it was pretty much worthless. Yeah. It was more of an aggravation. And it's sort of the reason, by the way, if you have a problem with their bag policy, I have a feeling that's why they gave you a fanny pack with your GA pass. Oh, I'm certain of yeah, that. The, yeah, this is what you get to bring your stuff in. Yeah. You know, one of those, a minor, minor nuisance. I felt bad for the poor guys who sat there, those volunteers for 12 hours and listened to that thing beep when you walk by with your phone and your car keys and, and whatever. But as far as like it actually affecting my, my bond room now, it didn't do anything. A sad reality. A lot of, and I was, we should probably say this every year, the weeks leading up to it, when you start getting all those emails about the bag policy and this and that, you start puckering up. Oh man. You and I and everyone starts you puckering up. This you is going to be the, bad. You, you should have seen the Reddit threads. Yeah. It really, really freaked people out. I, I wasn't. It was. I had a good time. I didn't see anything that was. And again, my, we my Bonnaroo tra- experience changed zero because of it. Exactly. That's my point. It felt like it was going to change an enormous amount to begin with. But it never no, felt that way no. at all. Felt like the same relaxed through uh, all the volunteers were smiling, have a great time. Actually, they were probably nicer this year uh, on the whole than because uh, sometimes you can you get them at the you know that tenth hour of their shift <laughs> and you can tell they're a little tired. But everyone was very nice. All in all, I, I can't think of anything else. It was just a really good. How'd you feel about uh, Camp Nut Butter? You feel uh, feel good about Camp Nut Butter? We had a good time. We had a great time, huh? We had a great time. We had rain. You know, it rained on Sunday with the lightning hit the transformer. What uh, a couple hundred yards from us? Oh that yeah, was, that was a moment. Yeah. So what happened is uh, the lightning struck uh, within a hundred yards of of our camp, um, right there on Production Road, which is the the first exit that you get to if you're coming north, right? Right at the KOA. Right at the KOA. It struck lightning right there. And within two seconds, a guy that is camping with us, the water had had accumulated on the top of his tent so heavy. Yeah, his easy it, up. He had an easy up. up over his pup tent. It crashed onto his tent <laughs> and soaked everything that he had. 
I mean, seconds after the lightning struck. We yeah. literally thought at that time lightning had struck his tent. I think I think he was emerging from that tent expecting to see people in wings. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he thought he had passed on. <laughs> As he should have, because, I mean, it was instantaneous. Honestly, that Sunday morning rainstorm was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Because yeah. we were we were all stuck in this tiny space with each other on a day that um, some of us were struggling more than others. Yeah. No, it was a great time to relax. We couldn't go anywhere. They closed Centeroo, um, cooled things off for a bit, then heated it up, the, the humidity. But, uh, yeah, it it just felt like camping at that point. Yeah, you know, and you became sort of like the the doctor of of camp. You were tinkering and toying and yeah, a fixing. Of us, and we put tarping. threw some tarps over and tied them down for the second wave of storms. Yeah, and you did very you did very nice. It was well, good. The rest of us, the kids, do what you do. Sat there and watched. Yeah, watched but. cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> Ate your cereal and watched cartoons. <laughs> yeah, me me and me and Nikki T just sat there and drank Bloody Marys and watched Dad <laughs> fix the tent. It was fun. It was great, and it it sort of re-energized for the rest of the day. Um, so uh, the the podcasting studio that was fun. We had our own podcasting studio back there. Repeat, repeat. We talked about that. They came by. Uh, it would be great if if you know we could sucker some more artists to come back there. Probably should thank Brian Stone for doing that. He brought Let's all not. of his equipment. Uh, I knew you'd say that, but he, he he made it work. That was cool. He made some things work at camp. If you know, yes, what I mean. he did. He, uh, uh, he had a busy week. Yes. <laughs> He, um, he made some very good friends at one camp over. Yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> Location uh, being what it is. Yeah, so. Um, but yeah, the podcasting was great. Uh, I think we can, we'll definitely continue that. Um, yeah, so I guess. to all the, I mean, regrets. Yeah, we talked to them. Treaty. The regrets, now, if you don't know anything about the regrets, we talked to them uh, backstage. They're, they're a kid band. I mean, these these are really, really young kids. L.A. mostly and, girl punk band. Yeah, and we also talked to Bozzy again to sort of like check in after his show. Uh, we're going to put all those together. And, and and you had one other guy that you talked to. By Colin, the way, Colin McLeod. Colin McLeod. You talked to him, and uh, you were really excited about this. He came back to camp, too, to talk yep. to us at Camp Nut Butter. I didn't make it to that. You were there. Yeah, I was five feet away. <laughs> you were there. And what did I do? Uh, snored. I yeah, think. it took a two-hour nap. Colin yeah. is from Scotland. He's a farmer from Scotland. Uh, Denson and I went and watched his set, man, and it it. I don't know how he does it. It's just him and a guitar, but it sounds like the Moors. I mean, yeah, it okay. sounds. No, nope, yeah. that would be the Moops. <laughs> it just it just sounded like the bogs or whatever in Scotland. It was the darndest thing, and and especially at that late at night, it was really cool. So. But yeah, he came by. Um, who else did we talk to? Talked to uh, Greg well, you, from Pigeons just, playing yeah. ping pong, yeah. and and Greg, I'm sorry, it's my fault that I somehow screwed up the whole recording. I got nothing. Yeah, we uh, listened back to it the next morning uh, after you talked to the guy from what's his name from Pigeons playing ping Greg. pong. Greg. Uh, and it sounded like uh, uh, just uh, the total. This SD yes. card was it fried, and I apologize. It Lesson happens. learned. Hey, the official Bonnaroo podcast doesn't have these problems. Pal. Say, I bet not. <laughs> I bet not. We're but do- that was the only yeah, one. We're doing this. By the way, we're doing this with a zero budget and yep. dopey friends and just prayers. That's we're just exactly hoping right. to God that we get something. But uh, we don't have. We don't have. That a was major so cool. Budget. Everyone was so agreeable. 
That's what I'm saying. It just the whole weekend was like that. I, you would I would ask for something, and sure, how can we make it work? Yeah, or we had a couple of you know scheduled podcast meetings, and either the message didn't get through or whatever, and uh, everybody said, "Give us another time. Let's make it work." Yeah, so it wasn't uh, Sir Sly being one of those, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I totally blew it on Sir Sly. We were doing something else, and the the weather screwed up on Sunday, and all hell broke loose. So hopefully. There's more to come, and that's what probably the the question that we've been asked the most in the last you know couple. By the way, Bonarooster showing up at our camp. Oh, every how day. could we forget? How could I forget? Bonarooster is great. The bon, what's his that Twitter handle? Is it just Bonarooster? Yeah. Find him on Twitter. He's a great follow. Great dude. Uh, stop by camp every single day. What a what a yeah. great time we had with we him. We had some couple of really good conversations. Uh, talking about changes and what we liked and didn't like, and uh, he, he's every bit as passionate about it as we are. It's awesome. Yeah, that was great. He was, and uh, we actually had run into him checking in and didn't realize, and then so we started setting up camp. Yeah, and if we if we missed you, Bonnaroo, I'm very sorry. We're very very sorry. Yeah, but please understand that uh, ran into Randy. My my body uh, just can't do too. Can't do everything. Randy said it came up and said hello. Oh, did, yeah, we met Randy. That was right after Warren Treaty. Yep. That's yep, right. Yep. So we did run into some folks. Um, that was cool. And so the big question that we've been asked is, is what what in the hell do we do next? And we don't know. We don't know. We, we didn't have know no we idea. I don't know what to do with this. I mean, I, we could we could do more, but I don't know what we do. I don't know what we talk about. I'm thinking probably when January, when the announcement comes out, we might pick it up from there. I mean, yeah. I don't know about weekly, but um, like to. We'll have to figure it out. If if you guys have suggestions, love yeah, to hear them. Yeah, give me an idea. Anything. Anything. Uh, Whatpodcast.com. Had a lot of fun doing it. We'll keep them up. We'll keep them up uh, throughout the year. And you can go back and uh, relive them or, or catch up on some that you haven't listened to. The Whatpodcast.com or the What underscore podcast. Uh, until until then, we've got more interviews from Warren Treaty to post. We've got uh, some Bozzy uh, chats, the regrets, and Colin more McLeod, if we can, yeah, if we can find regrets. them. You know what we could do? We could probably do an episode, a really quick episode with our uh, buddy Lord Taco and uh, hear about like a Bonnaroo first timer. Yeah. He's never been to Bonnaroo. I'd love to hear like somebody who's never been and their impression of w- what we said it would be if it actually was. Yeah, if it lived up to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, if you have a Bonnaroo first timer that, that, that you want to get us in touch with, drop us a note. We'll call them. We'd love to hear your experiences of Bonnaroo. The what podcast or the what underscore podcast? Uh, shoot us a note, and we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to some Bonnaroo first timers. I guess let's do that too. Yeah, that's another episode. We can I'm up for anything. We can milk another one out of that. It's been fun. All right, there you go. Uh, until next time, we'll see you then. Hey, 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 hey! How y'all feeling? Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands this year that matter? With Brad Steiner and Barry Corner. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.